Welcome to Understanding the Law. Your host for the program is Peter Lamont. Mr. Lamont is a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast discussing a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. As always, we welcome calls from our listeners. If you wish to discuss any of today's topics, please call our switchboard at 347-855-8831. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Today is February 19th, 2014, and I'd like to welcome everyone to the show today. Um, We are very fortunate to have with us today Michael Parrish Dudell, who is an author and entrepreneur, and uh, he has recently written a book called Shark Tank, Jumpstart Your Business, and it's based off of the very popular Shark Tank investment show. And so we're fortunate to have Michael with us today. Michael, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Peter. Uh, So, you know, our listeners are are very familiar with a lot of the discussions that we've had concerning starting a business and how to manage your business from a human resources standpoint and, you know, some of the the various aspects of it. Um, But today we're going to get into some specifics. Uh, Michael's going to talk to us about the book a little bit and, and give some uh, some inspiration and education to help those people who are sort of on the fence trying to figure out should they take this leap and start a business, do they have what it takes? Uh, so I think today's going to be a very important show. Michael, if you would, give us a little background about you, your company, and uh, then we'll get into how you wrote this book and how this opportunity came about. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, my journey, I feel like, is similar to so many entrepreneurs out there. I had a total career meltdown in 2007. Um, I was doing something completely different, and I decided that, you know, it just wasn't for me. I wasn't passionate about it, and I started from scratch. Now, I'm only 30, so I was 24 at the time, but it's something I've been working on my whole life and very invested in it. And um, so this was in 2007, I like to say, before Twitter was around. But what I was really excited about was digital media and how digital media was changing the world in so many different ways. And so I decided that I was just going to sort of go all in and find a job in digital media. You have to remember back then, this was before digital media was really cool. Everyone sort of thought, oh, it's going to go away. We don't know what's going to happen with it. Um, And so I was very lucky. I got a job, a a senior level job, working for um, sort of a startup company that no one wanted to work for because um, no one wanted jobs in digital media. So I started my career there. And as I got more, I had a ton of opportunities. I worked with Amex for a while, helping them start the first charge card geared towards millennials called the Zinc Card. I did a lot of consulting, a lot of work with millennials and small businesses, and eventually I was lucky enough to go work for Seth Godin and help him start the Domino Project, which um, was a publishing company at Amazon, which was an incredible experience. They're familiar with Seth Godin. He's a genius, and um, having the opportunity to work with him was life-changing and career-changing. After that, I went over to GE and was the editor-in-chief of Ecomagination, was there for a while, and I really wanted to start my own business. I had been very entrepreneurial throughout my life, 
but I could never really call myself an entrepreneur because I hadn't really ever started my own business. And so I figured, you know, this is the time. I want to do it in my 20s. It's something that I'm really excited about. And so uh, once again, I made a move and started and Vine, which is um, primarily content marketing, marketing consulting, some stuff in millennial uh, work as well. It's starting to change and grow as my career does the same, all the while continuing the writing, the speaking. Uh, and then my literary agent, Lisa Demona, who's Seth's literary agent as well, reached out and said, um, but Shark Tank uh, is looking to write a business book. They're looking for sort of an up-and-coming entrepreneur, an author, would you be interested in writing the book? And, of course, you say yes to that right away. Um, and, uh, and, and that's sort of how it all started. And it was an incredible journey. I got a chance to work very closely with the Sharks and some of the really successful entrepreneurs from the show, spent time in L.A., and now I get to be part of this uh, amazing show that, you know, it's entertaining and it's a lot of fun, but it's also helping so many people every week do something incredibly exciting and start businesses. And there's nothing I'm more passionate about. No, it, it's really um, it's a good book. It's an excellent, um, I think, tool for people to uh, utilize. Um, you, know, you know, you can never get enough knowledge before you start a business, and I, I think that the book it really lays the foundation for people who are undecided and, and don't know if they have what it takes. Um, for those listeners who don't know, Shark Tank is a, um, a television show on on, on Channel Four. It's on uh, NBC. And it involves a number of millionaire and billionaire investors, Mark Cuban and uh, Damon John, um, you know, and, and a host of others. And it's a fascinating uh, concept because the um, sharks will put up their own money and invest in ideas and companies of people who come on and, and, and pitch the ideas. And if you watch the show, you see that uh, there is really a formula that the sharks use to determine whether or not they want to invest in a company. And, and one of the, the things that they highlight is, does this person who's pitching this idea have sales, have figures and numbers and understand their business and where they're going? Is the business profitable or could it be profitable? And, and really, when you sit at home and you watch the show and you see some of these ideas that uh, you know, people come up with, I think that most of the people say to themselves, I could have done that or I already thought of that. And I think that's, that's kind of like something that we've all been through in our lives where, you know, you see a, proj a product that comes out and you had the idea five years before and you're kicking yourself for not doing something. But I think the problem is, so Shark Tank's a fascinating show and, um, and this book is a really good read and something that I think everyone who is even remotely curious as to whether or not this is for them starting a business being an entrepreneur, I think they should pick up the book. Now, Michael, your situation is very interesting because you're a young guy, and I think that a lot of people think to themselves, oh, you know, he's young, he can make mistakes, he can have failures, it's okay. I'm in my 40s and 50s. You know, it's too late for me to start a business. And I think that that's a common misconception. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, listen, it, there's, there's no denying the fact that people are really afraid of failure, right? Like, that is a scary thing. And, for, and, that, and that's fair. Failure is a scary thing. And when you have a lot on the line, the thought of risking it and losing it, of course that, that brings about a lot of fear, right? But that should never be not try something small at least, right? You don't have to start a business 
where you're putting everything on the line, where you're mortgaging your house, you can start small. These days, technology and all of the platforms that are out there really have empowered people to start businesses for not a lot of money. And so it's worth getting out there and trying. Yes, of course, it's scary. It's something great, and you want to you know, gain a lot, you're going to have to put a little bit of that risk on the line. Right, and I think that if you watch the show, you'll see that a lot of the, um, the, the people that get investments from the Sharks, they are not necessarily people that have spent $750,000 of their own money. A lot of them are um, even college-age kids who have come up with a concept, worked an idea, maybe put in a little bit of money in, but a lot of time and a lot of thought. So I, I agree with you completely that it's not – you know, mortgage my house, I'm all in. I don't think that all in in today's world means, you know, that you're dumping your entire savings into something. Let's let's yeah. talk for a minute, if we could, about, uh, and I think it's one of the topics in your book, how do you know if starting your own business, being an entrepreneur is for you? I mean, I'm sure you've got a ton of people who are sitting in their office and they're thinking to themselves, I really hate my job. I'm really passionate about something else, but, you know, I don't know if I can do it. I mean, how do you deal with, with people when you, you know, consult with them and they have that, that trepidation? They're not sure, is it for me? How do you deal with that? What do you tell people? That's a really interesting question. And, you know, when I asked that question to the Sharks, it was pretty divided, the answer I got. So there's, there's one school of thinking that says, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're born a certain way. You have a certain amount of drive, tenacity, um, you, you have something inside of you that go out and build something and to, to grow a company. And, and then the other school of thought is that it's a learned skill and that it's a combination of you know, patience and trial and tribulation and um, education and experience. And so when I talk to the sharks about that, it's sort of split. My personal opinion on that question is that I think that most entrepreneurs are born with a certain something that allows them, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing. They're crazy enough to, and Barbara Corcoran echoes this, they're crazy enough to get on the horse, fall down, get back on, fall down, get back on. And that takes a certain amount of also um, insanity, right, to, to go out and to risk every day and to try something. And so, yes, I think that there are certain personality qualities that allow people to be more successful as an entrepreneur. But I've got to say, I, I, don't, I don't think that you're, that you're, that you're born it. I don't think that, that have a certain amount of, um, I don't know, uh, patience or if you don't, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't have a really great idea, right? There's different, there's different ways of starting a business without having that one idea that, you know, brings in $10 million. There's one, speaking of that, there's one uh, entrepreneur from the show, I'm not sure if you've seen it, thinking – you have this idea that was um, you put like a it's like a stopper between the seat of on in cars so it catches yeah. crumbs. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. All right, so a lot of people think, oh, I have to have one of those ideas. I have to have one of those like crazy, you know, wild ideas that no one's ever had. That's not necessary. People can start businesses in all areas and all sectors with a range of experience and and the backgrounds. And and what it comes down to is you never know until you try. Right? You can sit there all day and you can say, I hate my job and you know, I don't know if I could ever start a company. But the fact of the matter is, until you do it, you don't know. 
And I, I agree with uh, with your take on whether or not it's an innate quality. Um, you know, I, I think that one thing that any would-be entrepreneur has to get into their head immediately is that, um, you know, failure is a definite. I mean, there's no way around it. You are going to fail. But there's an old Japanese proverb, and I think the Native Americans adopted it, uh, fall down seven times, stand up eight. And I think that that's something that you need to have ingrained into your psyche if you are going to take risks. Because, you know, just like any of the famous baseball players, like the big home run hitters, they're striking out the majority of the time. You know, their, their averages are not great, but they might be, you know, the, the best home run hitters in the history of the game. So there's a lot of failure involved with it. But if you can push past that, then you find the success. Yeah, and, and not only is failure um, necessary, but it's an important part of figuring it out and, and trying to, to really zero in on what you want to do, right? Failure leads to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Failure, failure will take you from a project to a project that might be the one that you know, takes you to the next level. Mark Cuban always says, you just need to get it right once. That's so exciting. You can have 15 failures, but if you can get it right that one time, that's, that's all it takes. It's that one time. And so, yes, if you want to be an entrepreneur, whether you feel like you're born with those skills or not, you have to get really comfortable with failure. And I mean, I certainly am. And I don't like failing and I don't that much because I'm, I, you know, I don't like it like anybody. But, um, but it's a part of it, and it's something I've accepted. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur, it's something you have to accept as just a part of the deal. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's like uh, the equivalent, if you will, of, um, you know, a martial artist. Before you can start breaking through bricks, you've got to build up enough calluses on your, on your, your knuckles, your hands, to be able to, uh, you know, ultimately break through that, that final uh, very thick brick. And it's a process of, you know, trying and not doing it and trying and not doing it, but building up that thick skin. And I think that that is one quality that you do need to have. And, and you know, you could call it failure. You could call it a challenge. You could use whatever word you want. But the uh, ultimate idea is that you are going to meet with obstacles and disappointment. And what makes you a winner, if you will, is how well you move past these challenges how well you assess the situation. Um, and, and that leads us into the next topic, really, which is if you know you, you're unhappy and you want to pursue something else and you want to move forward and, and try something new, what's the one thing you need? And, and I think that you'll agree with me, it's a plan. Before you take that next step, you need a plan. Do you agree? Yeah, you absolutely need a plan. A lot of people think that you need a formalized business plan, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't you know, 30 pieces of paper that say I'm going to do this, that, and the other. But I think that you need to sit down and have some critical thought ideas and what exactly it is that you're trying to build, and more importantly, what problem it is that you're trying to solve. That is, that's really what a business is, right? I mean, a business is uh, an entity that solves the problem in the marketplace, and a lot of people don't think of it that way. You know, there's this whole sort of talk about, should I start a business based on question about what I do? And that's a long conversation. But the fact is that if you start a business only around a passion and you don't think about it in any strategic way, you don't think, is there room for this in the market? What are my competitors? What does this space look like? Do I know my audience? If you don't think of all of these questions, then you're going to find yourself six months in 
because you didn't give it enough time at the beginning and think about what it is you're trying to build. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% about the business plan. I know there's a lot of books and software and you know um, people out there that will say you need a formula, formalized business plan. I think what you need is a formalized thought process. I think you need to sit down and analyze what your ultimate goal is. And I think goal setting uh, is very important. I think it will help guide you down the path. And I think that, you know, you met with the Sharks I and mean, you've worked with them. I, I think that every single one of them are goal-oriented. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even at the beginning stages of the company, even when, you know, you are having to be really agile and really nimble and change, you know, as fast as you grow, you still have to know where you're going. You still have to know where you came from, what's happening now, and where you're headed. Otherwise, you don't know where the, where the boat's going. You don't know what, what direction. Having a plan and being able – but here's the important part of the plan, right? You have to have a plan, but you also have to understand when to take a left turn because that's the thing that you actually can't plan for. You might be going one direction, and all of a sudden an opportunity comes, or you have an opportunity to, to do something a little – Thing great happens in the market and you can take advantage of it. You have to be willing to say, okay, this was my plan. This is what I thought I was going to do, but there's this really great opportunity and I need to be smart enough and nimble enough to know when to make that left turn and when to change it up. Right. It's very important not to be so dead set. Hey, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. And, you know, all of you be damned because this is how I'm doing it. Um, you know, Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker, I think uh, everyone you know, pretty much knows him. He gives a, a very good example of the flexibility and, uh, you know, change necessary. Uh, he talks about an airplane. and He says that as that airplane is traveling from point A to point B, they are never 100% on a direct course. There are a lot of adjustments that have to be made in the air. And ultimately, they reach their destination. But the flight to and from, it's never a straight line. There's always adjustments that need to be made. And I think that that's what you're saying with respect to having a plan but being um, flexible enough to see what's working, what's not, and to make adjustments as you go along. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the best parts of starting a business in 2014. You know, 1984, the advances in technology, what we're able to do faster, stronger, and better now really can serve as a competitive advantage. And so, you know, when I think about business, I always put myself in sort of the agile mind frame. And I think about, you know, how can you create something, put it into the market, test it, learn from it, and do it all over this way that you really figure out what it is that you're trying to sell, what your business is, what your product is, you know, a lot of people are afraid to sell. That is what I find with so many entrepreneurs is that they sit down and they say, oh, I'm going to do the 40-page you know, business plan. I'm going to get a small business loan. I'm going to talk to a million people. And they go on and on and on for two years. Two years later, they still haven't sold anything. And I think a lot of times that's resistance, and that's people saying, gosh, you know, I'm afraid to put it on the line. I'm afraid to get out there and actually do this thing. So I'm going to do small feel like, oh, I can check this off the list, I'm doing goal. The fact of the matter is you have to get out there and sell. You have to get to the market. You have to see what people are saying about your product. Take that feedback and make something even better. Yeah, I think, um, I think one quality that you do need to have, and it's very difficult for people, is confidence. I think that 
you have to believe in yourself and really something with, you know, with like confidence. You can't manufacture it. It's something that grows inside of you that comes from within you. But at some point, you know, that old adage, fake it till you make it. If you have an idea and you have a dream and you want to go for it, you have to pretend, if you will, that you're confident. You've got to force yourself to develop that confidence and to break through that fear because, you know, if you're afraid of moving forward, you're never going to know one way or the other. What's the worst thing that happens if you push forward through that fear and, and you fail? What's the worst thing that happens? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people who don't have traditional business backgrounds, look, I don't have an MBA. I'm never going to get an MBA. A lot of people that start businesses don't get their MBA. And, and at the beginning, there is sometimes that fear where they say, gosh, you know, I don't have the education. I don't have that piece of credibility backing me up. And there is confidence there. But, you know, I got to say, just, just as you said, to your point, fake it till you make it. You know, when I first started this career in digital media and when I first started my company and I started advising, you know, I was working with Fortune 500 companies and quite frankly, I'd never done that before. And I had to walk into a room as a complete amateur and act as though I knew exactly what was going on and I had answers to every question and I was ready to go. And what happens is when you start to do that, all of a sudden, it works and you do have answers to every question, and you do know what's going on, you're able to handle the situation. And so it really is all of I mean, attitude is everything, putting yourself in the mindset you want to do it, and that you're worthy of it. That's the next piece. I mean, people, there's a lot of people out there that say, I'd love to start a business, but you know what? I just, I'm not that kind of person. I just don't have it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not innovative enough. All of that is completely wasteful. You either do it or you don't, and if you do it, you leave that aside, you walk yeah, it, it's like, uh, you know, the famous Yoda quote, do or do not, there is no try. It's very true. You know, if you're going to commit to doing it, it's just like anything in life. If you're going to commit to losing weight, then there is no turning back. There's only forward movement. If you're going to commit to starting a business, it's got to be, all right, I am going to do this, and I know there will be obstacles. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to have the confidence in myself. I'm going to do it in a very intelligent manner. I'm going to be um, you know, aware of what's going on around me and, and able to handle the situations as they arise. I don't think you need to be some uh, masterful um, you know, MBA or, or Harvard graduate. Anybody can start a very successful business, whether you're a landscaper or an attorney or an accountant or you are developing uh, some sort of consumer product. It doesn't matter, in my opinion, what your background is. It's what you do right now. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people think that if they're getting out of their career and they're starting a company, that they have to put all, all that training, all of that knowledge aside to do something completely different. And there's nothing further from the truth. I mean, really, it's about leveraging the skills that you have now in a different way in order to be successful in the business of your choice. You never throw a skill away. It's just about using that skill in a different way. So what can't hold you back from what you want to do in the future? And that ties into the idea that you know, failure and, and trying and falling down is going to be a part of it. And when you accept that, I think that really is the key in order to move forward and to create something great. You know, Damon John, when I was talking to him about um, how he chooses his vendors, because you know, he works obviously – in many different industries with a lot of different partners. And I said, you know, when you're looking for a vendor, when you're looking for a partner, 
what is that one thing that you look for? What's the important? And he said something that actually blew my mind. I never thought of it because my business doesn't really rely on vendors that much. And he said, I look for a vendor that has failed big time in the past. I look for somebody, some vendor that has been through it all and has come back even stronger. And I said, wow, you, know, you look for some." Because the fact is, you're going to hit hard times at some point. Something's going to change. You're going to be under budget. There's going to be some sort of stress. And I want to handle that and who can come out stronger than someone who's never failed before. So he says, I look for failure. Oh, that's very interesting. I think that, you know, I, I think that, you know, failure can build character. And so I, I completely understand where he's coming from. It's a very unique take because um, I, I know that in, in my field, when, you know, you're hiring an attorney or someone to work uh, in, in the office with you, you know, I, I hear from, from my colleagues, oh, I'm looking for the perfect candidate. I'm looking for the perfect attorney, somebody who has uh, the educational degree and someone who has a perfect record in court. And it's, it's funny because I like to see the attorneys who have been beaten up in court, who have lost the trial and have learned from it. I think it's, uh, it's important to, to the, the building of character in a person. And I think that that's a very interesting take on, on any sort of, uh, you know, business owner and the idea of searching for a partner who has had these life lessons. It's very important. And that's one of the big reasons why, you know, you see in, when, you, when someone goes sharks are looking for something a little bit different. Some people are looking to invest in the person. And it, like Barbara Corcoran, she says, listen, to be honest with you, I don't even care that much about the idea. I will take a bad idea with a good entrepreneur any day of the week. What she's looking for is the person and the character behind that person. Now you go to someone like Kevin O'Leary, he's looking for, you know, is this something that the market needs right now? Is this business profitable? So each of the sharks has something else that they're looking for, but I think they would all agree that they would never partner with someone who they didn't feel had that, I don't know if you want to call it, maybe, I guess tenacity is the right word, but to be able to take what's thrown at them and turn it into something that's better than they had before. Yeah, and you know, the one thing, speaking of the sharks that I've seen quite frequently, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the one thing that these investors like to see is that, you know, you might not be all in with your money. You might not have mortgaged your house, but you're all in with your commitment to what you're doing. So while it is absolutely possible to start a business while you're employed, you know, in a full-time position, there's a level of commitment that you're eventually going to need to throw into this new company. You can't, you know, put put half your time into it and, and take it kind of half-heartedly. And I, I've seen on the show, a lot of times the investors will like the idea, but be very unhappy with the fact that this person does not want to give up their full-time job. They want that safety net, and they're afraid to commit to their idea. Do you, have you talked to them about that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Lori says all the time, entrepreneurs are the only people that will choose to work 80 hours to avoid working 40 hours. <laughs> And I think that's true. And something to think about, too. Like, you know, we're talking about all the great things in starting a business and being an entrepreneur. And there, there's a laundry list of amazing uh, with, with starting a business. But I think we also have to think about some of the challenges from starting a business, what that looks like. And we have to think about how people are going to handle the long hours, the work-life balance. All of that is crucial. 
and it's a, it's a conversation that needs to be had when you're starting a company. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I started my career out on Wall Street at a large international law firm and ultimately became a partner with a firm. And you, you put in a, a good amount of work, especially in, in this profession. You, know, you have very long days, very long hours. But when I launched my own firm, the amount of time doubled. You know, and, and my wife will say to me all the time, I thought by having you know, your own firm that you'd have more time. And you, know, you have different time. You can, you can be more flexible. But if you really want your business to succeed, you need to be willing to put in that amount of time and effort because it's not a 40-hour-a-week commitment when you're starting your own business. Absolutely. And to your point earlier about people who say, like, you know, I have a family, I have all of these responsibilities, that is a very important thing to think about when you're starting a company. And in the book, I give sort of a laundry list of things to think about and sort of a, a test you can take to see if you're ready. And that's one of the things is this idea that, listen, what you're about to do, it doesn't take $100,000. It really doesn't. But it does take a level of commitment and a level of time that is great. And if you are not ready and able and willing, and if you don't have your family on your side or your friends on your side, it makes it a lot more difficult. So you really have to say to yourself, you know what, this business may not make any money for two years. This business might require 80 hours a week of my time. But if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to commit to it, and I'm going to go all in, I'm going to commit the time and the, the, the mindset and the energy to it. Yeah, and I, I think that you know, as we transition into this idea of right, business can be great and you can do it, but you, know, you have to be the right person. I, I think that this is very important to understand because while you don't necessarily need innate personality traits or abilities or talents to start your own business, you do need that level of commitment. And I personally know quite a few people who are very great people and they're very good at their jobs, but they're lacking that, that commitment or that um, you know, uh, kind of aggressive attitude. They're happy with what they're doing. And, and I have one friend in particular who refers to himself as a time clock puncher. He goes to work at nine, he leaves at five, and he's content with that lifestyle. He makes a good living. He spends time with his family. He has no desire to start his own business. And even though he's thought about ideas and wouldn't it be nice, he does not have that desire. It's not necessarily a personality trait, but it's lacking that, that, that real hunger to go and build something from the ground up. So I think and, that it is I, important. Yeah, and, you know, I love that. Like, God love them. I, I want more people to be like that because if everyone wanted to be an entrepreneur, if everyone wanted it would make all of our jobs a lot harder. I think that knowing that about yourself, saying, you know what, I'm not somebody who – I'm somebody who works to live. I don't live to work. I want to go. I want to wake up. I want to go to my job. I want to, you know, do it well. I want to go home, and I want that to be my life. That's such an important thing to know about. And if you absolutely should not start a company, and, and that's great. You should work for someone who is, and you should contribute, and you should be a part of a great team. But knowing that about yourself, I think that's fantastic. I, I, to be honest with you, sometimes I wish I was more like that. I really do because the journey is tough, and it's long. And, um, and if I wasn't as you know, in doing, the thought of a nine-to-five sometimes seems really nice, let's be honest. You know, I think everybody that has their own business – has those days where they're thinking to themselves, you know, while they're still at work at 9.30 at night, 
uh, why can't I be like John down the street who's home every day at 4.30? Um, you know, I, I think that that is very important to know about yourself. I think honesty with yourself when deciding whether or not starting a business is for you is extremely crucial because, you know, you, you can lie to other people, but if you're lying to yourself, you will ultimately meet with disaster. You need to know who you are. You need to be comfortable with who you are. And while you might be able to do it, you might not want to. And that desire, I think, is really critical in the decision-making process. And that speaks to another really important thing, which is knowing your strengths and weaknesses, really understanding what you're good at and what you're not good at, and, and spending time only on the things that you're good at. You know, there's a lot of people think, I need to be a well-rounded person. I need to you know, work on the things that I'm not great at. I need to learn more about accounting, or I need to learn more about marketing. If that isn't your strength, you should outsource that. You should spend the money that it takes to do that so that you can focus on the part of the business that you know really bring more business in that way. I mean, of course, at the beginning, you have to do everything. You have to sweep the floor. You have to sort of handle it all. But at a certain point, you have to be strong enough to say, this is what I'm going to focus on, and this is what I'm going to outsource and delegate. Yeah, you know, now I, I'm sure you're going to have people who are listening to this broadcast saying to themselves, oh, that's great, but I, how am I going to get the money to hire people to outsource? And this, um, this goes back to something you mentioned earlier about today's day and age and, the, and our, our technological advantage, if you will. I think that you could sit in your basement and create a very successful business due to the fact that it's so easy now to start a website, to start an online business, to find people who are willing to work on a per diem or project-based um, you know, fee structure. You don't need to have $100,000 to pay somebody. You can find people who believe in what you're doing, and you pay them per project. And I, I think that you, know, you, you, you can market social media-wise, Facebook and Twitter and through your website, you don't need a billboard or, you know, the old print ads that everybody had to come up with all this money to you know, get in the phone book. None of those things work anymore. And that right. allows I mean, people to work, I think, very cost effectively to build something and then to be able to outsource. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it comes down to creativity. You know, if you're looking to hire, if you're looking to, to market, to, to start a website, whatever it is that you're trying to do, and you say, gosh, you know, I need $15,000 probably don't need $15,000 for it. Chances are if you're able to do it in a more creative way, if you're able to even to barter. I mean, that's something that I think we don't do enough as, as professionals in industries is to say to somebody, hey, listen, I'm a really great marketer and you're a really great developer. Why don't you give me some developing hours and I'll give and we're going to both help each other's business. I mean, there are a million workarounds when it comes to budget. There are a million different creative solutions you can find and it comes down to attitude. The question is, when you're faced with a challenge, are you somebody that says, gosh, you know what, I can't do this, and this is too hard, and I don't have the money, or are you somebody that says, it's expensive, I've never done it before, but you know what, I'm going to do it. And if you're that person, no matter if you're an entrepreneur or if you're an entrepreneurial in a company, if you're that person, you will succeed hands down every time. Yeah, I think that um, you, know, you have to be willing, like we talked about earlier, to see a, a challenge ahead of you and say, all right, it's a challenge. There's something here. There's an obstacle, but I can get around that. You know, I, I have a, um, a client of mine who 
was involved in starting a, a pretty um, a pretty aggressive business, and she had everything in place and had all these plans and went out to have a website built. And these uh, website companies that she was going to, very, very high-end, and they were bundled services, so they wanted somewhere between 250000 and $500,000 to come up with a website and sort of this business concept. And, you know, fortunately for this, this client, she had the money to do that, but we didn't let her do that because I don't think that you necessarily need that sort of investment up front. There are so many other things that you can do. And I think that just because you have the money doesn't mean you should you know, throw it away, if you will. Uh, and if you don't have the money, you shouldn't say to yourself, well, I don't have $500,000 to start um, a website like this. I can't work with these large marketing companies. You can find solutions. It just takes time and effort. Absolutely. It's time, it's effort, it's creativity, it's knowledge, right? And, and these days, education isn't just in the classroom, as we've talked about before. You know, everything I learned about business, everything I learned was from reading, was from watching, and was from doing. Those are the three things that I did. I read more books at one time. I watched some of my favorite entrepreneurs make mistakes. I watched them succeed. And then I went out and I did it. And I tried and I failed and I tried and I failed. And, you know, to, I'm still trying and failing, you know, I, and I always will be. And that was, this is actually really interesting is that, and I hate to keep going back to failure because I feel like that's all we've talked about. But one of the things that's impressed with the book, someone from, I think it was Metro New York said, you know, I don't want to offend you, but um, do you feel like you learned something writing this book, working with the sharks? Know everything that's in the book. And I said, are you kidding me? I, I learned something with every conversation, not just with the sharks. I learned something when I talked to the entrepreneurs that had been on the show, when I talked to the producers. If you're not constantly learning, if you're not constantly putting yourself in that frame of mind, and if you're not willing to be a student and willing to learn, you're never going to grow and you're never going to be able to build that business you want. You're like a spy. You're constantly getting information and using that information to get a little smarter and get a little closer. All of that to say, if you're going to spend half a million dollars on the website, we need to have a long conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I think that uh, to, to highlight a point you made, I don't believe personally that you need to be a Harvard graduate. I don't, I don't believe that you need necessarily a college degree to be a, a successful entrepreneur business owner. There are thousands of people that I can think of who did not have a college degree and yet make more money than you and I combined you know, because they had that, that desire and that creativity and willingness. So while education is important, I am a big believer in the school of hard knocks and learning from doing and you know, developing a level of education beyond formalized uh, institutions and in education. Do you agree with that? I mean, I couldn't agree more. I'm somebody who really, my educational background is, is not, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trained to be somebody who's in business. I never took a writing class in my life when I wrote a book. I mean, I've been, I've been a writer for many years, but that was something I learned on my own. It, I mean, it, traditional education, some people learn really well by sitting in a classroom and by thinking of philosophy and, you know, all, that is not me. I never cared for school. I did fine in school, but I never liked it. I never felt like I really learned much in school. To me, how I learn and how I'll always learn is by actually doing it. That's the only way it sticks with me. And so in that sense, you know, I, I am someone who maybe is sort of 
prone to be an entrepreneur because that's an important part of being an entrepreneur is just saying, you know what, I'm going to try it. I think I could ever move. I'm going to do it in a quicker, more expeditious way, and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to, I'm going to see what happens. Now, um, you know, I think that um, today we've focused a lot on that, that you know, decision-making process as to whether or not uh, starting a business or being an entrepreneur is for you and what you have to have as a, a characteristic or quality. And, and uh, you know, there's so much more that we can get into. I think that I'd like to, um, you know, stay on, on topic where we are today, but hopefully uh, we can have you back on the show because I think that from uh, a more practical approach, uh, we could certainly talk about what you need from a, a legal and um, you know more pragmatic standpoint, uh, how you set up a business and what sort of things you need to do. You know, and while we're not going to get into the specifics of that today, the one question that I do have for you is, you know, everybody knows that uh, there's this this belief, if you will, that. Uh, most businesses fail, call it a fact, you know, because it really is. Most businesses fail after the first year or two. Uh, why do you think that is? What is it about a business owner where they're in business for a year, they commit, they do everything, and then the business fails? Is it solely because of the economy or is there something more to it? Is it something about that entrepreneur that no, caused no. that business to fail? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the economy, I. So many great businesses have been started in such terrible economic times. The economy vacillates. Yes, it does affect business, no doubt. But I'm not really excited about blaming the economy on failure because I think what it comes down to is generally the business owner or the business itself. I can't speak for every business that fails, but I will say what I see a lot is two things. The owner that doesn't truly understand his or her audience, and another is a business owner that doesn't truly understand his or her market. Those are the things I see most often. They think they know what's happening in the market. They think they know who their audience is. But in fact, they don't have a great sense. And if you don't know who you're talking to, then what you're saying is yours. You have to know who you're talking to, and you have to know how you're positioning yourself in your respective marketplace. And those are the things that I think a lot of people sort of miss out on. And of course, there's money too, right? Like people run out of money. I get that. It takes money to make money. You know, a lot of people say growth, growth, growth. Growth is a great thing. Growth isn't always a great thing. It can if you have the infrastructure in place, if you know how to run the company, if you have a, you know, again, this is all infrastructure stuff, but if you're not prepared for growth, growth is the worst thing that could ever happen to your company. So it's a combination of timing, of knowing a market, of knowing your audience, and in your business from a holistic perspective. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I knew um, a gentleman who had a, a fairly successful legal practice. Like myself, he was a partner at a large firm and ultimately went out and opened up his own practice. And he had a very good first year in business, had a lot of clients, a lot of work, and right off the bat said, I need a big office and I need to have seven, eight associates. And I need to have a night typist and so, you know, he, he brought all these people on board. He got himself a very nice office. And two years later, he ends up laying everybody off. He ends up having to break his lease to move to a smaller place. And now it's just him and a part-time assistant. 
And I talked to him. I said, you know, what happened to you? Because, you know, people need lawyers. It's not like, like the law practice has dried up. Yes, there are challenges in this field, but people still need lawyers. What happened? And he said to me very insightfully, I, I went overboard. I saw this success, and instead of taking smaller steps, he did that and ultimately ended up you know, being by himself. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't go and learn from this and move on, uh, but unfortunately, this individual is so shell-shocked by what happened years ago that, that he's not been able to, I, I guess, gather the courage to move forward. So, you know, it's interesting that he's able to acknowledge that, but that is, a, I think, a good example of where growth is not good and how sometimes baby steps are a good thing. Yeah, I mean, well, people hear all in and they think like that. That's, that's not what all in means. All in means that you're putting all of your time and your commitment and your energy and all of that towards this goal, and, and sometimes money as well, towards this goal and this business you're trying to build. But, I mean, especially these days, every entrepreneur will tell you, you keep the overhead as low as possible. You have to have. And like I said, it's smarter most of the time to outsource those things that you don't do well or that you'll never learn or that will take too much time to learn. It's smarter to outsource those things and spend that money. But when it comes down to it, if you can keep your overhead as small as possible, you're going to be in business longer than the next guy. Yeah, that uh, overhead is critical. You know, critical. It really is. I mean, you don't need to buy um, the top of the line everything when you're starting out. You can work with what you have and, you know, you, you replace things, equipment, infrastructure, you know, where you're going to be renting. You, you change these things on a need-based basis. You know, it's not, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to you know, spend $3,000 a month on, uh, on this office space but I've got no clients to come in and see it. So why are you doing it? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's to project a certain appearance. It's to put yourself in a certain mind frame. I get it. I understand it. A Ramsey fan. And, you know, one of the things that he's always talking about is sort of that same philosophy, which is you earn that. That isn't something that you get day one of business. You know, same thing with work-life balance. A lot of people think like, you know, how am I going to, you know, create a work-life balance? And how am I going to make – you earn that. That is something that over time – over years, you put in enough work, it's sustainable, then you get those privileges. Then you get that $3,000 a month office space. Then you get right. you know, that, that, that nights and, those nights and weekends off. But that is something that takes years to earn. It's not something that is given to you. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to go back to with respect to this decision-making process about starting a business, you know, it's a great thing. It really is a great thing. You have to be honest with yourself and decide whether or not it's for you. But the one factor that we haven't touched on is the impact on family. You have to have commitment, I think, in your spouse or partner and your family because they do have to understand what it takes for you to start a business. How do you deal with, with people that you know, or say to you, hey, listen, I'm really uh, I'm, I'm up for the challenge here, but my wife is hesitant. How do you deal with people like that? I mean, the fact is that if, if your wife is not on board and it's going to require considerable time and energy, which it will, and she's not supportive of that, you need to really take that into account as you begin the journey because, you know, a marriage is forever, and that's a partner, just like a business partner. A spouse is a partner, and you have to, um, you have to listen to that feedback, and you have to incorporate that in your ideas. And, you know, if you're married and, and that 
your partner says, listen, I'm not willing to have you spend nights and weekends building this. I, I'm not interested in being a part of it. You know, I'm not going to say don't start the business, but I'm going to say that you have to continue having conversations until you have a little bit more buy-in because you're going to face so many challenges in the marketplace. You're going to face so many challenges. In having somebody every day that's on your side is crucial. And if you have somebody that's not on your side every day, it's going to be very difficult to succeed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that you have to have a discussion with your family and, and say to them, you know, especially if, if you're, um, you know, you're a little bit older, you're married, you've got kids, because your decisions, they can't be selfish decisions. They need to be something that you share with your family because what you're doing does have an impact on these people who you are either supporting or, um, you know, committed to or your children. So you do have to take that into account. Uh, it, it's not just you, you know, so it's important to, to talk to people in your family. And, and, and the best way, I think, to do that, what I've seen, is little steps and showing proof along the way. So, you know, going home and saying to your wife, listen, I want to start this business and I want it to grow to be $100 million and I want to, you know, quit my job. And, okay, that's, that's great thinking and that's, you know, way to think big. But the fact is, is that if you want to convince the people in your life that this is something that's meaningful and important to you, you start doing it little by little on the side. You, you know, you sort of test the idea you get some proof points together. You, you say, listen, this is a viable thing. You start small, and you get buy-in as you go. It's not, you don't have to quit your day job and, and put everything on the line to do it. You can start small, and you can see how people respond to your product or your service, and you can build from there. And I think most of the time that's the best way to convince someone who may not be so sold on the idea that you're capable and excited about doing it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think that um, if you do those things, if you kind of take this, this self-evaluation and, and talk to the people in your family, talk to yourself and be honest with yourself and know what you need to succeed, which is really very little, if you ask me. You need to be confident. You need to be tenacious. You need to have a plan, and you need to be willing to take risks. You don't need to be a millionaire. You don't need to have a, a, a huge support staff. You need to have support of your family, and you need to believe in yourself. And I don't know that there's much more you need to be successful, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's right. You, you need to have all that stuff, but at the end of the day, you don't need that $6,000 a month or $3,000 a month office. You don't, you don't need any of that anymore. Now it's about sort of what you bring to the table and, and the support system that you have. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing that I cannot stand hearing from people is, I have such bad luck. I mean, I'm the kind of person, I don't believe in luck. I believe that there are opportunities and challenges and that, you know, when a, a, an opportunity avails itself to you, if you're prepared to accept that, you'll be successful. But I, I can't, you know, stand these, these uh, entrepreneurs or anyone for that matter that will say, I just have bad luck. I don't believe in that. Do you? Well, not only do I not believe in, in luck, I mean, there's this, I guess there's a certain, if you want to call it luck or I don't know, circumstance, whatever you want to call it. There's, maybe there's a little piece of it that plays into that. But and that speaks to negativity. And honestly, I don't have any patience for it. If you're going to be negative about the idea before it starts, then you probably shouldn't start it. You probably will fail, and you probably will have bad luck. I, I'm not particularly hippy-dippy. I don't think that you, know, you can think about losing 100 pounds and you lose it that way. But I do think that attitude and the mentality that you approach something with is crucial, if not the most important part. And if you're going in thinking it's not going to work, I'll put money on the fact that it 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, in my opinion, I think people create their own quote unquote luck and it's really more about who you are and, and, and you know, the way that you view things. I think that's what's critical. Um, we're running out of time, but one last thing that I do want to touch on is that when you are starting a business, there's, there's another important characteristic that I think you need to bring into the fold, and that is finding the right support team. So when people come to our office and they'll say, listen, I want to start up a business, one of the things that we say to them is, I would rather that you hire us at the beginning of your you know, journey to help you set things up properly. I'd rather that you hire an accountant, a consultant, maybe a copywriter at the beginning because at the beginning of your journey, you'll, believe it or not, spend less money than if you don't do it and you get sued or you have financial issues a year and a half, two years from now because at that point, to rescue you, to get you out of that problem, you're going to be paying double and triple what you would have paid up front. So if you can kind of you know, develop a team of people to help you, lawyer, accountant, you know, advertiser, somebody like yourself who can give some, not just motivation, but insight into how you do what you, you need to do. I mean, you're a frequent lecturer. People should go and see you and people like you so that they can, you know, develop this, this you know, I'm going to say partner, but you're a partner in other people's business just by giving them that guidance and inspiration. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to infrastructure. I use that word a lot because, to me, having a sound infrastructure means having those pieces in place. means, you know, from a legal perspective, from an accounting perspective, from a knowledge perspective, having something that you can build and place so that when you start growing, you have something strong to grow on. It really comes down to that foundation. And building a strong foundation from the beginning is, is crucial to sustainable success. Yeah, and I think that that's part of the plan that we were discussing. You know, when you have this idea, you need to take into account, what do I need to do from a pragmatic standpoint? Do I need to have a business? Do I need it to be an LLC or a, an S-Corp or some you know, form of business? Do I need to get an accountant to help me with my finances so that as I make money, I don't have trouble along the way? You know, do I need to get somebody to give me some guidance with respect to hiring employees? And I think that the people that think along those lines, we're going to be the ones that are successful. The ones that say, ah, I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't have the money for an accountant, they're the ones that ultimately have the problems. I don't think you can kind of push that sort of support to the background. Yeah, I think it's important to, to sort of anticipate what are the challenges you're going to face down the line and prepare yourself in advance for, for those challenges uh, at the very start. Um, now, we've got about four minutes left. I want to just uh, ask you a few more things, and, and I do sure. hope that we can uh, you know, have you come back, and let's talk about some of the more uh, detailed things necessary uh, when starting a business. But what, uh, what are some of the top things that you think you learned from the Sharks uh, aside from what you've already told us, you know, in writing this book? Yeah, um, gosh, that's a great question. There's a lot of things I learned from the sharks. Um, the thing that I think is, is really important, and maybe it was a little surprising to me, and it probably shouldn't have been, but it, it was rare to me, and, and it, was so, it was a wonderful surprise that they were so open, that they were so communicative. You know, you meet a lot of people who think that the more successful you get, the more roadblocks are in the way, and that you don't need to... Res- these 
again, I was working for ABC, so maybe that's why. And I was, you know, as part of the show at the time, so maybe that's why. But every single one of them, so receptive, so communicative, so generous with their time and their information. I, I, so, so what that taught me is that, you know, no matter how successful you get, no matter or if you have a million dollars or whatever, you treat people well and you put your best foot forward and you give people your time and your generosity as much as you can. And I think that was a really valuable lesson um, that I learned from them. Um, you know, and I also learned from them that, and, and we said this a little bit before, but that the learning is never over. And I think all of them will tell you. A lot of people are intimidated by Kevin O'Leary. I really like Kevin. I think he's a great guy. And I, I, I had a wonderful time with him. But a lot of people say, like, oh, well, Kevin wouldn't say that he's constantly learning. And I think he would. I think if you had an honest conversation with every single person that's up there, they would tell you that the key to continuing to grow and the key is to always be learning and to be asking questions and to never think that you're too good to learn from somebody else. And, and that was a valuable lesson I learned from them and, and from the entrepreneurs on the show. No, that's really great. Michael, can you tell our listeners how they can get in, in touch with you, how they can get a copy of the book? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to my site. I have a long name. Bear with me, michaelparishdudel.com. If you Google it, I'm the only one. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at NotoriousMPD. And, of course, you can get the book at Amazon.com and at BarnesandNobles.com or at right. Barnes & Noble's the store. And I really do in, encourage everyone to pick up this book. You know, there's, there's tons of books out there, but this is a very fresh take on uh, what it, it takes to start a business. And I think that the lessons you can learn from uh, Michael's experience with the sharks and the entrepreneurs are, are really invaluable. Uh, I, I think that uh, reading the book, watching the show will really give you some insight into uh, what it takes. So, Michael, I'd like to thank you very much for being on the program with us today, and then I hope that we can have you back on. Um, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, as always, for joining me. We'll be back next week with more legal and business news and topics. If you have any questions or if you wish to discuss a legal issue with us, I encourage you to give me a call. The office number is 973-949-3770, or you can email me at info at Peter Lamont, that's L-A-M-O-N-T-E-S-Q dot com. Until next time, I'd like to thank you for joining us, and I'd like you to remember that there's power in understanding the law. Michael, thank you again, and uh, I hope that uh, you'll be on again with us. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Bye-bye. Pros and the no start with Lowe's, because Lowe's has the fixtures and the savings to get the job done right. Working on a big bath project? Now you can get up to 35% off select bath faucets, and you can even save up to 20% on select toilets. Plus, order what you need online and pick it up in-store. See Lowe'sforPros.com for details. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 3-1, while supplies last. Selection varies by location, U.S. only.